Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Hiva, and honestly, I feel like I haven't done this in so long. I feel like I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I was like, wait, what do I do? Like, how do I set it up? (laughs) Where do the lights go? Where's the camera? Where's the action? Where's the mic? (laughs) What are my levels? What's going on? And on top of that, I think I'm probably recording at a very terrible time because... I live next door to a nightclub that I've never been to, (laughs) in part because I'm a fucking loser and I never go to the club, in part because I don't know when the fuck this shit operates. I don't understand how this club works. It'll be on on a random fucking Tuesday and then not again for three months. And then another random ass Wednesday night, all of a sudden it's and then not again for a week and a half. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. There's no order. And and really I've never been invited inside and I walk by a lot when there is a line and not once has a bouncer or a doorman been like, hey, you kind of look like a snack. Want to come on up? Now, maybe that's because I wander the streets looking like some kind of sewer rat who just crawled out of the gutter. (laughs) So they're like, actually, could you not walk your dog on this side of the street? Because you're really ruining the vibes. (laughs) So yeah, okay, moving right along. Um... Wait, okay. Uh, the reason I'm talking about this is I kind of just started to hear a little ns action and and yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be on tonight. I don't know if it's about to start and on top of that my dog is just poking her cute little snout in through the crack in the door trying to get inside the room. She just she just wants to be a part of the action. And did you guys see the cute ass fucking picture of Samantha, my dog, sitting in my podcasting chair, like as though she's about to record. It is one of the cutest things I've ever seen in my goddamn motherfucking life. <laughs> okay, I don't know what this energy is, guys. Um, she's unwell. I I have had a two fucking weeks, let me tell you. And you know what? Not getting to talk to you guys certainly wasn't fucking helping. Like the way that I love connecting with you guys and not... Okay, what are the words I'm trying to say? Not being able to do it, not having the opportunity to do it. I don't I don't know. It's it's been hard. And listen, we took last week off um not because I needed or wanted a break, although I did need and want a break, but because it was 4th of July on Tuesday and I just thought no one would listen and everyone I knew in the industry was taking the entire week off. And so I was like, okay, well, if everyone's taking the week off, I'll take the week off too because, listen, I put out episodes on Thanksgiving. I put out episodes on Christmas. I'll put out episodes on any of those types of holidays. But something about 4th of July just felt like no one's going to listen. No one's, you know, near their phones yet. Yada, yada. And frankly, I regret it and never again. Mark my words, never fucking again. Anyway, a lot has happened 
And I have not had an easy few weeks, let me tell you. So let me backtrack a little bit. I have a new neighbor and he hasn't even moved into the building and I already hate this man. So, and he's very nice. He's a very nice guy and the way that I hate him. So the first time I meet him, he rings my doorbell and, okay, so I live in a weird building. I live in a converted industrial space. It used to be, I don't know, some kind of fucking factory or some shit. I actually really don't know. I should look up the history of my building. And I'm friendly with the listing agent on the place. It's not, um, I, I don't own it, but in New York, it's very, renting in New York is like buying everywhere else. If you live in the city, you know what I mean. Anyway, I'm friendly with the listing agent on this property who is friendly, like quite friendly with my landlord. So I bet he'll know more about the history of the building. I should ask him or I mean, I guess a bitch could Google, but (laughs) why ruin the fun? Anyway, um, where the fuck was I going with this? Oh, okay. So I live in a strange building and it has very high ceilings and because it used to be a factory space and there's The first couple floors, there's only one unit per floor. So that's me and the per. Well, okay. The ground floor is a gallery and then there is my floor and then there's another floor. I'm really giving away way too many details about this property, but whatever. Um, So the gallery is whatever. And then my unit, it's just my unit on the floor. And then the floor above me, there's just that unit. And then there's two floors above that where there's two units per floor, I believe. Now, for us two, the elevator opens directly into our unit. So because I have a dog that used to be paralyzed, I never take the stairs ever. We're always going in and out the elevator because she can't take the stairs. And so there is a doorbell. There is a door, like a door somewhere with a stairwell that I quite literally never use. No one ever uses it. It's not how people come and go. It's just not how it's done. So one day he rings that doorbell and it starts making this insane sound inside the unit that I never hear because again, that door is never fucking used. And I remember I was in the middle of a training session. Shout out to Tatiana, my EMS trainer. Fucking love you, bitch. And we're like, what the fuck is that sound? Because it starts being like, and we're like, what? what? Is that someone's phone? Like, what the fuck is that sound? And so I kind of start going to the source of the sound and I see there's a monitor on a wall showing a man standing in the hallway. And so I have to like move past all these things to be able to access that door because that's how much that door is not used. It's just not how we go in and out of the unit. And I open the door and he's like, hey, you know, I'm a new neighbor. I just bought a unit. So he bought on one of the floors that has two units per floor. And he's doing some kind of repairs to his building and he was asked to his unit. And he was asking all these questions about how the power. I don't even know the word. Like, I'm so not a 
tech, or I don't know, electricity savvy, construction savvy, building savvy kind of bitch that I don't even, I didn't even understand the question he was asking. But I was like, listen, I literally have no fucking clue. Do you want to come inside and take a peek yourself? And he's like, yes. Because he said something with the power something from the first floor should be going through my unit and him and his construction guys were trying to figure it out so I was like just come in and look I'm in the middle of a very expensive training session and I don't have time to waste and so he comes in he takes a peek he's like cool 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 thank you so much and I was like great bye and then a few weeks go by and I get another sound that actually just sounded like a siren (laughs) but it was that doorbell again I was like oh my god this motherfucker and he's like hey so um would there be a good time in the next week to shut your power off for 45 hours and I was like uh no there would not be a good time in the next week to shut my power off for 45 hours what the fuck is wrong with you dude and so we were kind of going back and forth and I was like we'd have to stay in a hotel like what are like what are you asking of me to go live on the streets like what kind of ask is this anyway after a bunch of back and forth I realized he actually meant four to five hours so five hours which is an entirely different story and I was like sure 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 let's work it out and so I suggest a few times and he's like, mm, that's actually not good. We need to do it tomorrow. And I was like, OK, then why did you say in the next week? Anyway, so I'm like, fine, fine, fine. Do it. And then it ends up not even happening. But he was that Sunday shutting the entire building's power off. And he told me for one to two hours, but they should be able to do it for in an hour. It ended up being like five to six hours. So that was really fucking annoying. Anyway, so I already fucking hate this man, even though I will say he is very nice, but it's just a lot. Like you're asking for a lot to do repairs inside of your own unit. You're really inconveniencing a lot of people to get these fucking repairs done, but whatever. So that Sunday, the power's off and, you know, it's it's annoying. It's like a bitch is trying to do work, whatever. And, and like, keep in mind, you told me it was going to be an hour and ended up being like five hours or whatever. So that was really fucking annoying. And then once the power comes on, the elevator doesn't work. The elevator just will not come online. Now, might I remind you, the elevator is how I get in and out of my unit. So that's a big fucking hassle. On top of that, I have a dog that used to be paralyzed who can't take stairs. And so we had to call the elevator repair people. They come, they fix it, and then the door system isn't connecting to the elevator. So we have a door system that... like there's an app on our phones and that's how we all get in and out of the building. So everyone's getting locked out left, right and center. And so it takes days and multiple types of people to come out. Verizon people had to come, people from the butterfly, the door system had to come, the elevator people had to come. I mean, this is a full week of people coming in and out of this building, repairing shit after this man turned our power off to 
Might I remind you, do repairs within his own unit. This is now affecting all of us in this massive way. Okay, fast forward to, I don't know, at some point between this episode and last episode. So the elevator goes out again, and the elevator keeps going out ever since then. And this is a brand new elevator that was just installed last year. Like, we had no elevator for two months or so last year because they replaced the entire elevator, like full, took it out of the shaft, brought in a brand. <laughs> Why does the word shaft <laughs> just always bring up images of penis? Okay, anyway, took it out of the shaft, put in a brand new fucking elevator, right? We have not had any elevator issues until this man turned our power off. Anyway, so now there's all these little glitches with the elevator. And on a Sunday, Ozzy leaves town for work. He had been gone for like an hour I take Samantha, the dog, out. Now, I didn't bring the keys because I never bring the keys because I operate the whole system with my phone. And also, the elevator had just been out earlier that day and elevator repair people had come by. And so in my head, I was like, well, if there's ever a time that I don't worry about the elevator going out, it's when the elevator had just been fixed. And so we go for our walk. Oh, let me add to it. Right before we go for our walk, this is our last walk of the night. I took some gummies. Shout out to Nama CBD. Um, use code HIWAA15 for 15% off if you want the best gummies ever. I take them at night to go to sleep and it works like a fucking charm. So I take the gummies. I brush my teeth. We go immediately for the walk. This is my nighttime routine. It tends to work flawlessly. The gummies kick in right when we get back from our walk. It works out great. Now we go for our walk. We come back, open the door. The elevator is not fucking working. I don't have keys. The only way to get into my unit is via the fucking elevator and it's 11 15 p.m on a Sunday night <laughs> and so I called the building manager and I was like hey Carmen hope you're having a good night sorry if you were you know in bed like a normal person might be at this time of night but um the elevator is out again and I'm locked downstairs with my dog who has many health ailments and like we can't just like sleep on the streets so she calls the elevator people and I was like, I just want to emphasize we are like we can't get in. We can't get home like they have to come tonight. Like we can't just like we can't sleep in the elements like that is not an option that's available. Also, this dog used to be paralyzed. Can't go that far. We both have medication upstairs like we need to get upstairs and. So we're just sitting downstairs. I'm trying to not freak out. I'm trying to not freak out. Very long story short, eventually the elevator people come. We do get upstairs. And then finally, I'm in bed. It's like 1 a.m. And I'm like, oh, thank God. I've never. And I just want to say I was very calm through that whole ordeal where that usually is the type of thing that would make me spiral and spin off. And it's because the entire time in my mind, I was thinking, okay, Heba, this is an opportunity from the universe to practice not blowing up and being a massive fucking cunt. 
And then we get upstairs, we're in bed, and Sam is just being an absolute psycho. I couldn't even tell you what the fuck was wrong with her. I honestly don't even know. She just kept getting up and whining and moving and waking me up, and it was just, oh my God. So finally, she stops doing that. I think she went out to the living room, so I was like, thank God, just sleep out there. Let me get some fucking sleep. And then this mosquito comes in my ear, and it's like, bzzz. Bzzz, bzzz. <laughs> and then it goes in, just bites the shit out of my entire fucking body and then comes back to my ear and it's like, bzzz, 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 and then takes another sweep at my body and keeps biting the shit out of me and then comes back in my ear. Bzzz, bzzz. So I take my sleep mask off and I'm like, okay, where is this goddamn cunt? Let me kill this fucking mosquito. And I look down and there was some kind of massive, massive creature crawling in my bed. I don't even know what the fuck it was. It was the only way I can describe it is like a hybrid between a cockroach and a crab. I've never seen anything like it. It was bulbous. It was round. And I swear it had little crab legs and it was just crawling side to side instead of front to back like a normal fucking insect. And I mean, I start screaming bloody fucking murder. Now, the one thing that I was doing throughout this night to bring myself back down to calm every time I was like, this is an opportunity from the universe to practice keeping my cool and not being a massive fucking cunt. So what I want to say to you listening is if you have the worst night of your life also, or whatever bad happens. I don't ever want to be that kind of person that's like, oh, just look at the silver lining or like just, you know, be grateful because it's happening for you, not to you. Listen, there are a lot of things that we can be upset about. And I think if something bad happens to you, you have every right to be upset. I don't want to do that toxic positivity bullshit. But what I will say is, I do think there's some benefit, but I'm going to be toxically positive anyway. <laughs> this is the moral of the story. No, but I do think there's some kind of benefit to look at these bad things that are happening and be like, okay, what opportunities are here for me? Like for me, there was an opportunity to practice just trying to stay calm and not flying off the handle and looking at the bigger picture and not getting caught up in the minutia. So what opportunities are being presented to you when something bad happens? What are you getting an opportunity to practice? Is it staying calm like me? Is it not being a massive fucking cunt like me? Is it, you know, setting boundaries? Is it practicing saying no? Is it practicing saying yes? Like there is something, some opportunity that's being presented to you every time something really, really bad happens. And maybe it's helpful to look at that opportunity rather than focusing on this horrendous thing that's happening to you. Okay, another bad thing that's happened to me in the past couple of weeks is basically last week, I noticed that my foot kept hurting and it was a specific part of my foot. It was the inside part of my right foot. And it kept like rubbing against shoes as I was walking. But even without that, it was hurting. And then one day I looked down and I was like, holy shit, 
there is actually this kind of golf ball sized lump sticking out of my foot. And I was like, well, maybe that's just what feet look like. Like as though I've never looked at a foot before, but I look at my left foot and I was like, no, I don't really have that on the left foot. Like it's, it's definitely different. And I FaceTime my mom and I'm showing her and she's like, no, I definitely see it. Like a bitch is not blind. Like it's definitely there. Go make a podiatrist appointment right now. Don't ignore this. And I was like, okay. So I go on ZocDoc, shout out to ZocDoc, who is not a sponsor of this podcast, but if you'd like to be hit a girl up and I find a doctor who takes my insurance, who has an appointment available the very next morning, who is very close to me and she has great reviews. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Shout out to Dr. Allison Bell. What is this app? Like, why am I shouting out all these people? This is what happens when I don't record super regularly. I don't remember how to speak. Okay. Anyway. So I go to see Dr. Allison Bell down in Fidei, and I, at this point, can only wear one pair of shoes. It's my Adidas pool slides because it's the only thing that doesn't have shoe where (laughs) that lump is. So it's the only thing I can really wear. And I walk down there and, you know, a side note about my feet, they are very scabby. Like there's a lot of blisters, a lot of scabs, a lot of open wounds. I mean, it looks like every day I take off my shoes and I just walk through a field of barbed wire and broken glass to get to places. Like it's low-key kind of embarrassing. Like I don't like if people look at my feet, they must be like, what the fuck is going on, girl? Do you just like throw knives around? <laughs> like, what is the situation here? By the way, saying walking on broken glass always reminds me of that song, you know, walking on, walking on broken glass. Dunna. Do you know do you know what song I'm talking about? It's like Annie something that sings that I want to say. The cool girls in my sorority in college were really into that song. And so naturally I like tried to make it my entire personality. <laughs> Nevertheless, they still didn't want to fuck with me, but whatever. <laughs> okay, anyway, so I'm at the doctor and she looks and she's examining and she's pressing things and she's poking and prodding, making me stand and move around. And she's like, okay, I know exactly what's going on. She's like, we don't have x-ray here, but I know exactly what's going on. And I'm going to have you follow up with me at a different location where we're going to take pictures just to make sure it's not worse than what I think it is. But it's this specific bone in your foot is inflamed. And the reason it's inflamed is because this tendon is doing this and blah, blah, blah. She explains the whole thing. And she's like, "Okay, I'm going to need you to wear a boot for two weeks and take anti-inflammatory medication. After two weeks, we're going to do a follow-up. We're going to take pictures, just make sure it's not any worse than what I think it is. And then you're going to have to do physical therapy, get custom insoles made, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, okay, that's, this is all a lot more. Like at first I was kind of like, okay, fine. And then like the boot, the physical therapy, I was like, okay, this is all getting low-key kind of dramatic, like a lot more dramatic than I anticipated any of this to be. Like, I kind of thought she'd be like, that's what your foot looks like. Bye. And I'd be like, okay, (laughs) cool. I'll just put a bandaid over it, I guess. (laughs) But, um, but 
Then they bring in the boot and it's like a massive fucking boot. It goes almost to my knee. I mean, it's a massive contraption. And she goes, anytime you stand or walk, basically anytime other than when you're laying down, you have to wear this boot. Note, I'm not wearing it right now, as you can see if you're watching on video. And if you're not, what are you doing? Unless the camera fails. See, I got so good with the camera anxiety. Like, I don't know if you know this, but I have this whole thing where I constantly am anxious that the camera is not recording anymore. And I'd gotten so good with it. But now that I haven't recorded in a week and a half, it's all creeping back to me. Okay. Anyway, I can't believe I'm still talking about this. Okay. So, um, and I'm so tired. I just want to go take a nap. I'm so tired, guys. Okay. So, where was I going with this? So I have to wear this boot all the fucking time. And and it's exhausting. It's really fucking hard to walk in this boot. It's really hard to walk in this boot. I'll post some photos of the boot, but it's it's a pretty big thing. And keep in mind, I live in New York City and I walk everywhere and I have a dog that I walk multiple times a day and to run errands I have to walk. I mean, my entire life is walking and that's not really stopping me. I'm still just limping around town all day, every day, looking like a goddamn fucking psycho. And I've just been living in this uniform of these really comfortable bike shorts that I got on Amazon on there, you know, that nice seamless material. And it's just, it's almost loose on the tummy. That's how non-constricting it is. I mean, it isn't loose. It's truly second skin, but buttery soft. I fucking love them. And then a long sleeve t-shirt, which is um, pajamas that they give you on the airplane. That's what I've been wearing every fucking day as I limp around town <laughs> trying to run my errands, looking like absolute horse shit. I mean, back to the sewer rat swamp monster that I brought up in the beginning of the episode. I haven't done my hair. I haven't done my makeup. Just limping around sweating because it's been 90 degrees every fucking day. And I insist upon wearing a long sleeve fucking t-shirt that is gray, by the way. So it's just showing how much I'm sweating from every orifice. And I don't even wear deodorant because I do sauna every day. And so I don't want to pug the sweat dogs. And I mean, I am looking like absolute horseshit and I have never been hit on more in my entire life. I mean, I walk around, actually there's one phase in my life where I've been hit on more. We'll talk about it a bit later, but I, every day as I'm walking, I mean, people are like, Oh my God, even with that boot on, you're still so beautiful. And I'm like, okay, the a, I look like horseshit right now, but let's just put that aside right now. Why would the boot detract from my beauty? It's not like it's on my face. It's just on my foot, <laughs> but okay, I'll take it. And I mean, just people just making all sorts of comments, complimenting me. You got this girl. Your foot will be better before you even know it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It's like, it's really, the boot is a lot more dramatic than the injury is. Like, it's things. Like, I'm not that concerned about the foot. But, um, but it really got me thinking. And here's the thing. 
I'm not looking any better. I can tell you that much. So it's not like I'm looking more attractive and that's bringing in more eyes. I think it's that the boot is giving, A, it's just drawing attention, but it's also giving an opening for something that people can comment on. And I think that's what's really happening. And this whole thing reminded me of this fucking book that came out when I was in high school or college or something, or maybe I don't, why am I aging myself? It may have been right after I got out of college. I don't remember, but it was this kind of original pickup artist book. I actually cannot remember what it's called. Should I look it up real quick instead of, um, talking about it? Okay. Pickup artist book, artist book. Oh, The Game. I think that's what it's called. It's kind of the first pickup artist thing. Yeah, I think it's called The Game. And one of the things that this guy talked about in the book was peacocking. So you should wear or accessorize with something that's really attention grabby because A, it grabs attention and B, it's kind of a conversation starter. And I remember... I, of course, at the time, so insecure and so deeply anxiously attached, was always trying to look for hacks and ways to accomplish things that I wanted. So what I wanted was more attention. What I wanted was to, you know, uh, a man to hit on me. We fall in love, get married, yada, yada, right? And so instead of just being secure and confident in myself, I was like, oh, let me adopt some peacocking. So I had this watch that I would wear. And when I tell you the face of the watch, or is it called a dial? I think it might be called a dial, or is that only in Rolexes? I don't know, but she does not know much about watches. But the face of the watch was bigger than my entire wrist. I mean, it was a massive, massive, massive watch. It was the definition of peacocking. And I remember one time, (laughs) one of my favorite stories, I don't know if it's going to translate though. I was dating this guy who, oh God, I loved him so much. He's probably my favorite ex. And we went to this music festival together kind of early on into us seeing each other. And I was meeting all of his friends for the first time. And it was a camping music festival situation. And so he was setting up our tent while I was just sitting there chatting with his friends. And I had this massive fucking watch on. And they go, they said something like, oh, you know, Flava Flav, whatever, because, you know, Flava Flav's, what, uh, where's the clocks? They brought up Flava Flav somehow. Or, or no, 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 no. I don't think they even brought up Flava Flav. I think they were just like, nice watch. And I said, oh, thanks. You know, I used to date Flava Flav. And he gives all his girlfriends these big watches. And they were like, what? And it was it was like a joke. I definitely did not. I've never met Flav. I know nothing about Flava Flav. He had a reality show at the time that I had not seen even one minute of. I know nothing about Flava Flav. I'm a little too young for his, I want to say musical career, right? He was a rapper. I knew nothing about Flava Flav. It was just a dumb joke that I thought was kind of funny. Like, oh yeah, you gave me this watch. And they were like, 
wait, really? And I was like, yeah, totally. And, you know, not one to back down from a joke. I just kind of kept it going. And they were like, wait, what? Like, were you on the show? And I was like, oh, no, this was during off season when he wasn't filming. And so we're just like, it just keeps going. And I really thought we were just having a fun time, like just joking around. They're like, oh, like, did you meet his kids? You know, he has like blah, blah, many kids. And I was like, oh, no, like, um, uh, you know, he's really private with that stuff. I mean, everything they're saying, I'm responding, but I really thought that we were just fucking around with each other. We're just keeping the joke going. And I mean, this shit went on for 30 minutes, I swear, where they're asking all these questions out Flava Flav, and I just trying to be quick witted and coming up with random ass ass answers. I didn't think they actually thought I dated Flava Flav. I thought we all knew that everyone's joking. Anyway, so um, <laughs> like later that night or whatever, another night at the music festival, you know, we're at the show, we're, uh, you know, doing recreational activities. We're all lovey-dovey, dancing together, whatever. And the guy goes, hey, by the way, did you tell my friends that you dated Flava Flav? And I was like, oh, yeah, it was so funny. And he's like, yeah, they believe you. And I was like, what? And he's like, I tried to tell them that you have a weird sense of humor, but they literally think. And so apparently they pulled him aside and they were like, hey, listen, like she's so cool and stuff. But did you know that she dated Flava Flav? And he's like, uh, I know she, I, I mean, I don't know what you guys are talking about, but I can guarantee you she didn't date Flava Flav. She has, she has a strange sense of humor. I think that's what's happening. They're like, no, 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 trust me, trust me. She dated Flava Flav. Like I didn't believe it at first either, but we talked about it for a really long time and she definitely dated Flava Flav. And he's like, no, she didn't. They're like, okay, I mean, then ask her about it. The way that I died laughing, finding out that they actually thought I did a flavor flavor. Anyway, long story short, the entire reason that I wore this watch, really, I mean, I did think it was kind of cute and it was a vibe, but also it was peacocking, right? Like I wanted that attention. Here's the thing. I mean, do I think peacocking a little bit maybe works? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that it does is really give you an, a conversation opener. But I think there are much better ways to get the attention of, I was going to say men or women or whatever, whoever you're into. And I mean, if you're single and you really want attention, based on my experience, maybe faking an injury, getting a boot and wearing it could work. <laughs> but <laughs> there are better ways. Now, before I get into the better ways, I do want to talk about two things that I think most people think is how you attract someone. But I don't think these are actually the real true ways. The first one is money. I mean, hello. What man doesn't think that he has to be rich to attract women? And listen, am I saying money is a bad thing? No. Am I saying money is going to hurt your chances? No. But I don't think that money is, like being rich is a, a surefire way to get chicks. I mean, look at Elon Musk, you know, like if money made people happy, Elon Musk would not behave the way that he does. But B, 
I can think of 30 stories off the top of my head of people not being satisfied in situations with money. Also, you know, the richest guy that I ever dated was this guy who was in tech and super nice guy, super handsome, actually, just like so cute, like had the most beautiful eyes, kind of like just a nice, great guy. And we went on a few dates. And then I remember I stopped seeing him because I got like he was just very obsessive about what he was eating. And I was like, I can't. And he did it in that kind of tech billionaire kind of way. You know, when tech billionaires do it, it's not an eating disorder. When tech billionaires do it, they're just so health conscious. But call it what you want. I, you know, as someone who struggled with eating and disordered eating and things like that, I was like, I can't be around this type of energy in my life personally. And then, you know, a long time went by and we reconnected. This was right after I broke up with Van Guy. He randomly slid into my DMs again and we started hanging out again. But then I started seeing Ozzy. And even though Ozzy doesn't have even remotely the same amount of money that this tech guy does, I would always choose Ozzy over tech guy because there's so much more to life than just money. So I just want to get that money thing out of the way. And the other thing is looks. I mean, hello. And this is also, there is some degree of reality. Yes, if you're more conventionally attractive, you're gonna get more attention. But I also think this isn't as deep as people think it is. I remember I had this friend who always said that she wanted a nose job, always like never liked her nose. And now she is a very conventionally attractive person. I should say this, both pre-nose job and post-nose job. She's always been extremely pretty. When she got a nose job and once it was, you know, out of the bandage, I guess, she said that she had never been hit on that much in her life. But what was interesting is, she barely looked different. Honestly, if she hadn't told me that she had gotten a nose shop, I don't know that I would have noticed. And everyone who would see her before and after nose job, no one really noticed that she had gotten a nose job. Now, she could certainly tell. And it was a very good nose job, don't get me wrong. And it clearly made her feel really different. And she even noticed it. She was like, honestly, I think the reason that I'm getting so much more attention isn't because my face suddenly looks so much better. I think it's because I'm so much more confident. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of doubt, that's what it was. Now, again, she was she was pretty before. She was pretty after. Was she prettier after the nose job? Yes, it was a very cute nose job. But it really, the difference to someone who wasn't her was truly kind of negligible. At the end of the day, the difference was her confidence levels. And I think really where money and looks, both of those things really make a difference is in your confidence levels. That's how they attract people. I mean, look at look at people on Bravo. Like one of the most successful guys on Bravo, I would say is Corey from Summer House and Winter House. 
I don't think Corey is very conventionally attractive. Some people do, some people don't. The reason that Corey gets all these chicks is because he's extremely confident. Look at um, Gary on Below Deck Sailing Yacht. By the way, Below Deck Sailing Yacht is low-key the best show on Bravo. That shit is so fucking good. When I tell you season two of Below Deck Sailing Yacht, which is when they kind of brought in a whole new cast and a lot of that cast is still on consistently. I have never cared more about any relationships in my life, including my own personal relationships, than I cared about the Below Deck Sailing Yacht season two relationships. The way I was so invested in that shit, if Ozzy had been like, hey, I'm leaving you, I would have been like, okay, bye. I need to find out what the fuck happens between Allie and Gary. Anyway, Gary, the bosun, or the first mate, or whatever, on Below Deck Sailing Yacht. Not a conventionally attractive guy, in my opinion, but all the girls flock to him so hard, and I think it's because he's really confident and really charming. Now, there's another guy that's been on on season two since, since season two, Colin, who is so hot. He is such a snack and seems like such a nice guy, whereas Gary's such a fuck boy. And Colin doesn't get nearly the attention that Gary does. And I think it's the way that Gary is so confident. I have another story on this. You know, I, sorry, there's this bug just flying around everywhere at me, around me. <laughs> it is, it is an insect paradise. I feel like I'm in some kind of Pixar movie about insects in this fucking apartment. The exterminator needs to come. I am losing my mind. Okay. Anyway, I dated this guy when I was 20 who was much older. He worked in policy and I met him when I was interning in policy. And he he's, you know, he's an older guy who's constantly pulling really hot, really young women. And he, he was a good looking guy. Like you could tell he was definitely good looking when he was younger, but he was kind of middle aged and not rich. I mean, he worked at a think tank. He was not rich. He was doing okay for himself, but not rich at all. But pulling the hottest, youngest girls. I mean, hello. <laughs> no, but seriously, constantly pulling really attractive women. And I was like, what? Like, how have you pulled this off? Because I was looking at some of the girls he had dated and slept with. And I was like, how are you pulling this off? And he said, it's because I meet women when I'm on stage speaking about tax policy and I'm very confident when I speak about tax policy because I know tax policy really, really well. And it's that confidence. He's like, there's nothing else. He's like, I oh, I don't like go out to bars and meet chicks that much. I meet girls when I'm speaking in conferences. It's that confidence that I have when I'm on stage speaking about this topic that I know so much about. That is how I'm pulling these checks. So I think really it's the confidence and not so much the looks or the money that will make you attractive to people. It's that the looks, having looks or money will make you feel more confident in yourself. Now, there are other ways that you can attract people. I think one big one is taking an interest in other people. You know, there's this study that I read 
a while ago and I tried to find it, but I wasn't using the right Google search terms. And quite frankly, I'm out here battling crab, cockroach, insects, and broken elevators and sick dogs and crazy neighbors. So, and you know, broken feet. So I've had a lot going on. I will try harder to find this study later, but I've had a lot going on. So, you know, let's give me a bit of a pass. And, um, But the study basically showed that when people think that someone is going to like them, they're more likely to like that person. So for example, let's say you have two friends, um, Mary and Alex, who don't know each other and you want to introduce them and you want them to like each other. Then if you said something to Mary like, hey, I've been telling my friend Alex all about you and she thinks you sound so cool and she's dying to meet you and she already loves you. Mary is like 12 times as likely to like Alex in that scenario because Mary thinks that Alex likes her. When we think that the other person likes us, we're more likely to like them. So showing an interest in someone is going to make them more likely to be into you. And I also think this is a really good way to weed out people who have some kind of trauma or baggage that makes them incapable to be upfront and honest. So I'm talking the game playing, the playing hard to get, shit like that. I mean, playing hard to get, I think, quote unquote, works for two reasons or in two situations. Number one, playing hard to get works on someone who has some kind of trauma that makes them incapable of being vulnerable and open. So it does work. It just works on the wrong kind of person. So that's not what you want anyway. And the other situation in which playing hard to get kind of works, quote unquote works, is when you're comparing it with being like love bomby and way too over the top and just coming on really fucking strong. So like there are people who are like, but when I play hard to get, it definitely works. It's like, yeah, it works because you're not doing the other toxic thing, which is coming on way too fucking strong, which also turns people away. But for a normal, healthy person, showing interest in them is always going to make you more attractive to them. You You know, I recently met, I'm not going to name the person, but a celeb that is like my celeb, like my icon, my idol, like the person that I love the most. And I met her in a situation where we were backstage of a show in the green room. And when I tell you, I was like shaking nervous And, you know, we said hi, whatever. And then we're just kind of chilling there because I was waiting for someone and, you know, she was waiting to go on stage. And so, you know, we're just kind of sitting there. And I saw that she had these Chanel 
um, sling back flats on that I have in another color. And I was like, oh my God, I love those flats. You know, I have them in this color combination, blah, blah. And we like then ended up having the best conversation because I took an interest in something that she had and it sparked conversation. So if you are, you know, at a party, at a social situation, at a frat party, whatever, and you're like, okay, how can I like, hit it off with people and connect, whether that's romantically or platonically or whatever, a really good way to go about it is just start conversation on something really simple and then get it going. You know, another quick, quick story I have about this is in my first job out of college, there were two really cute guys that worked there that were kind of the same level as me. And there was one that I noticed first, maybe. I I don't remember which one I noticed first. But there was one that I kind of like took a bit more of an interest in at first because he was really kind of outgoing and like whatever and seemed fun. And all the girls in the office had crushes on him. So maybe it was just that kind of thing where I was like, hmm, okay. But then I became way more interested in this other guy who's actually Mormon. And I don't know how much I've talked about my experiences with this man, but there are a lot. Anyway, I ended up being really, really into him because he took such an interest in me. He'd always come over. He'd always ask me questions about myself, ask about my life, ask about my weekend, ask about my friends, ask about this, ask about that. And that really won me over more so than anything else. And, you know, side by side, the other guy, Harvard guy, we can call him, he went to Harvard, really smart guy, really cute, really charming, really funny. We had more in common. He wasn't Mormon. He drank, you know, we had more lifestyle things in common, but I ended up being way more into Mormon guy because he took such an interest in me. Side note about Mormon guy. Um, I usually, you know, in that phase of my life, when I was kind of whatever, like making out with a guy, I'd be the one pumping the brakes and being like, no, we can't have sex. I've never wanted to have sex with someone more. And it's because he like literally couldn't, wouldn't, you know, like he was always pumping the brakes and I was like, let's just fucking do it. We never did. I did give him a blowjob once. And by that, I mean, I like practically licked his penis and he just came automatically, you know, cause hello, he had never done anything. Um, what a wild time that was in my life. Anyway, The last way, and I think this is the most important way, that you can really capture the attention of people, captivate people, draw them to you, get them to approach you, get them to fall in love with you, is by having fun. Now, remember at the top of the episode or somewhere around the top of the episode, I said that there was one phase in my life where I've been hit on more than I have been in my limping around town in my stupid boot phase. That's when I was, it was the early days of me dating Ozzy and not the first time around, the second time around. This is after Van Guy. This is after rekindling with the tech billionaire guy. He's really not a billionaire, but I do think he's like 
somewhere in the millions. I don't know if it's like tens of millions or multiple millions. I don't know exactly. I really don't think it's hundreds of millions, but like a really fucking wealthy guy, right? This is in the early days when Ozzy and I, I mean, at this point, like I know it's going differently. I know we're going to be together, together, together soon, but we hadn't actually made it official yet. And I was on cloud nine. I mean, this is one of the happiest phases in my life. We have the early days of dating excitement. There's no anxiety because this is after I'd figured out how to move towards secure attachment shit that I teach in my courses. Just a shameless little plug for the Blush Academy real quick. By the way, if you're a Blush Academy member, there is a new Q&A um, update to go look at. There are weekly updates. Now we did take last week off because of the holiday, but there is a new one and there are some fire flames emoji questions. Okay. So, um, yeah, this is after I'd moved to secure attachments. So there was no anxiety anymore. There was just pure excitement. We were, you know, going out every weekend and just having so much fun and it was summer and it was hot. And even though I hated my body cause I was actually going through like a thyroid thing and I'd gained a bunch of weight and I felt like so shitty about myself and my body and my looks, I was just having the time of my life. That was the phase in my life where I was hit on the most. I've never been hit on that much. I mean, everywhere I would go, I would just go buy avocados down the street. 10 guys would ask for my phone number. People were approaching me left, right, and center, asking me out, asking for my number, just trying to spark conversation with me. And it was for no reason other than the fact that I was just in a really happy place. People want to be around fun, happy people. I have another story. When I had first finished college, um, by the way, if you just watched on video, I like kind of got startled by the mic, like my mouth hit the mic and the way I got startled by it, like as though I didn't know the mic was there. <laughs> so if you saw me flinch, that's why. Um, anyway, my first year out of college, you know, we're going out, we're partying a lot. I had these two friends and we would go to shows and by shows, I mean, DJ sets at clubs and shit like that a lot. We had, you know, promoter friends were getting in, we're, you know, not waiting in line, shit like that, bougie shit, like shit that never happens to me now, case in point, the club and next door that I've quite literally never been to and wouldn't even know how to go to if I wanted to go to it, even though it's right next door. Now, part of that is because I never know when it's fucking open and going, but part of that is because you have to like be on lists and shit, right? I've never clubbed in New York City. Okay, but enough about how big of a loser I am. Now, let's go back to that. So I remember one night we're, you know, at this DJ set at this club and me and one of the girls are being hit on so much. And this other girl, no one is talking to. The other girl is blonde, so pretty. Like when we were at bars and stuff, she's always being approached. She's so outgoing. She's so talkative, but she just had a sour puss face on that night and just like wasn't into it. And I don't, I don't know like why she wasn't into it. Maybe it wasn't her scene or like whatever, but she just wasn't like that into it. Whereas me and my other friend were, I mean, 
listen, I'm pretty sure we were rolling. Like, I would imagine we had eaten Molly. So that's part of why we're having so much fun. But we're smiling, we're dancing, we're having so much fun. And I will say, I think the third girl, the blonde girl, was probably more conventionally attractive than the two of us. But we were being hit on because we were having a good time. We were having fun fun. We were just vibrant. And who doesn't want to be around that? So to summarize, I think that there are ways that we think we're going to captivate the attention of potential mates and potential friends and things like that, but you know, more specifically potential mates. And we tend to think that that's money and looks, right? And those are quite gendered. I think men tend to think they need money to get attention and women tend to think they need looks to get attention. And I don't want to discount that those two things are important in society, but I think they're so much less important than we think that they are. And the real ways that I think you can truly attract people is number one, be confident. Number two, show an interest in them. And number three, just be happy and have fun. That's it. And you might be asking yourself, okay, but like, how do I do those things? Because those are like, how do you actually be more confident? How do you actually be happy? Um, You know, showing an interest, I think you know how to do. You don't need me to explain this to you. Here's the thing. We are all born confident and happy. Life starts chipping away at that. Society starts chipping away at that. Life experiences start chipping away at your confidence. But you were born perfectly 100% confident. So the way to get back to that is to neutralize all of the experiences in your life that got in the way. Maybe it was the first day of kindergarten. You, you know, wore your favorite blue shirt and the cool girl in your kindergarten class says the blue is ugly. And so you internalize the message that like, I don't know how to dress and I'm ugly and I'm stupid and I'm lame and I'm not cool enough to be friends with this girl. Maybe you know, you're in the third grade and the teacher asks a question about how fossils are formed and you raise your hand so excited because you think you know the answer and you're like, oh, fossils are formed by this. And the teacher laughs at you and it turns out fossils are formed in a completely different way. Um, Low key, I think in the third grade, I got the lowest grade I've ever gotten on a test and that was a four and a half percent. I'm not even joking. And one of the many questions that I got wrong was how fossils are formed. And I thought they were formed the way that we did this kind of um, fake fossil activity in class. So I basically recounted everything we did in the fake fossil activity. And the teacher, when she handed the tests back to the entire class, said that the lowest grade in the class was a four and a half percent, mine, not to brag, and that the person who had gotten this low grade didn't even know how fossils were formed and thought they were formed the way that we did it in class, which was not an actual way that fossils are formed, and basically was laughing at my stupidity. What now, bitch? What now? I'm actually smart as fuck. 
<laughs> I just didn't give a shit about your lesson plan. Anyway, that type of thing will trip at your confidence. Maybe it was that, you know, you had a special needs younger sibling. So your parents gave all of their attention to your special needs younger sibling because you were so self-sufficient and you didn't need as much attention as this younger sibling did. But that type of thing will chip at your confidence and will get you to be like, well, why am I not good enough? Why are they paying so much attention to Mike and not to me? Maybe it's you know, you always wanted to be a musician and growing up, your parents would always talk about how amazing your cousin who's a doctor is. And so you internalize this message that what I actually want and desire in this life isn't good enough. Maybe, uh, you know, in the sixth grade, you watched a movie where the popular girl in class play or in school played soccer. And so you internalize the message that only soccer players are cool and you're not athletic and therefore you will never be cool. Or maybe, you know, as a toddler, you were constantly being kissed and cuddled by your parents and aunts and uncles and grandparents. And you actually just wanted independence and to be able to run around. Um, maybe, you know, in elementary school, you weren't allowed to go to sleepovers. And so you ended up having so much FOMO when all of your friends would go on sleepovers. All of these things chip away at your confidence and your happiness. But the cool thing is, because our brains are so malleable, you can undo the weight of all of these, whatever your life experiences are that chipped away at your confidence and happiness levels. There are ways that you can neutralize those wounds and get back to the confident and happy being that you came into this planet as. You know, an analogy I like to use is the Statue of Liberty was originally copper. And it's the oxidation that made it turn that blue green color. Plus, like it's just getting dirty all the fucking time. Now, if you polish it enough, you can get the Statue of Liberty back to the shiny, beautiful copper that it originated as. And if you go through and neutralize the wounds of all of these micro traumas that have happened to you throughout your life, you can get back to that shiny, vibrant, confident, happy person that would attract the attention of everyone around you. You just have to go through and neutralize those wounds. And there are different ways to do it. What I teach in the Blush Academy, we have these guided meditations that are kind of like hypnosis that um, use tools from EMDR and somatic therapy and other types of trauma therapy to really neutralize the, the wounds. There are other ways to do it. I mean, if you have more severe trauma, I do recommend working with someone who is very trauma-informed. I really like EMDR and somatic therapy, but there are different modalities that work for different people. And if you want me to do a whole episode on trauma reprocessing and how to do it and, you know, what I teach in the Blush Academy, I mean, in the Blush Academy, you literally like put on headphones and an eye mask and like drop into these deep hypnosis type of experiences. There are various ways to do it, though. This is just what's worked for me, and that's why that's what I teach. But... 
Go out there. Be your most confident, happy. By the way, I'm sorry if you can hear my chair squeak. It's squeaking every time I fucking move, which is constantly because I like basically am doing a visual and audio performance here. Um, but yeah, go out there. Be confident. Show interest. Be happy. Have fun and attract people because that is what we're here to do. Okay. Love you guys. It is so nice to be back. If you learned something this episode or if you were entertained in any way, I would love it if you could A, um, send this episode to someone who you think would benefit from it. B, put it in your Instagram stories and tag at blushpod. And C, go leave a five-star review. At the end of July, I am going to pick randomly pick someone who left a review and that person will get a free six-month membership to the Blush Academy. Now, the way to enter this giveaway is just to go leave a review. Either put your Instagram handle in the review or screenshot the review once you've left it and email it to theblushpod at gmail.com. And at the end of the month, I will randomly select someone who's left a review and you will get a free six month membership to the blush academy okay love you guys talk next week bye